In conclusion, this book, while excellent in its analysis overall, calls to bring together the theories and methods of two different fields of study, social history, detailed enough so that more seasoned researchers will find. I'm Robert Casanello. I'm the vice president of research and publications at HNet, and this is the Art of the Review podcast. I'm Elena Kalinsky, managing editor of HNet Reviews. And this is a podcast where we examine reviewing and criticism as an academic form. This podcast is brought to you by HNET and the University of Central Florida's Center for Humanities and Digital Research. Welcome to the Art of the Review podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Art of the Review. In this episode, we will be examining the idea of reviewing digital history. And in this case, we brought in a person to interview from the American Historical Association. His name is Seth Denbo. He is the Director of Scholarly Communication and Digital Initiatives. And he himself, along with a committee that um, the American Historical Association impaneled, created a set of guidelines for a professional evaluation of digital scholarship in history that they released in April of 2015. And this is essentially the crux of the interview. That's right, Robert. And I want to remind listeners that in two previous episodes, we've already talked a bit about peer review. In episode nine, we talked about um, how a professional academic press reviews submitted book manuscripts, and that was an interview with the director of the West Virginia University Press, Derek Krisoff. And in episode 14, we spoke with your colleague, uh, Mark Kamrath, about a review process for digital scholarly editions that is put together by the Modern Language Association. Um, now, this is a review process that's fairly clear-cut because it's really just reviewing the process of digitizing a literary text. So there is a fairly clear consensus in the literary profession on how to evaluate such a process. Right. And so this is part of the reason why historians are struggling with this same idea of how to review digital scholarship is because with digital history, there is also the idea of how to evaluate the interpretation of a digital site or the interpretation that curators or authors might project onto a digital history project. And so it's not so easy as just to say, you know, is has the text been faithfully um, rendered in this digital environment, but then the digital history project actually kind of sits in a um, entire installation that has an interpretive framework. And so it adds this subjective nature to um, you know, to the understanding of digital history that really isn't in the MLA example that we looked at in episode 14. Yeah, and I think when people think about digital history projects, they might be thinking about lots of different kinds of things. It's not just, um, you know, digitizing a text. You could do mapping projects. You could do networking projects. You can do all kinds of different things. And so I think what comes out in the interview is that departments that are trying to evaluate faculty members for promotion or job candidates, um, they're really struggling to figure out how to evaluate and rank these kinds of projects. Sure. And, and, and to be clear, this also is a little different from the previous two episodes, because at this moment in time, the AHA is not um, creating a set of guidelines for peer review. They're creating a set of guidelines for the evaluation of digital scholarship. But I think, you know, as things go and, and people 
uh, produce much more in terms of digital humanities and digital history scholarship, you know, we're going to see the need for a peer review process in place that doesn't exist currently, or at least doesn't exist in some sort of uh, form that people point to as, as the consensus standard of peer review in, um, in digital history. Yeah, and one other thing I just wanted to mention is the difference between pre-publication and post-publication review. So when we talk about peer review post-publication, we're talking about things like book reviews, HNET reviews. And HNET occasionally does evaluate and review digital projects, but we've done that much less so recently than in the very beginning of uh, HNET reviews in the in the 90s. And a pre-publication process is something like a publisher sending a manuscript out. Um, or even, you know, Seth Dembo mentions um, the possibility of a peer review process baked into the process of building a digital history installation or a website where you get feedback throughout the process and you make the, the project better that way. Sure. Well, let's listen to the um, interview now. Well, I want to thank you, Seth, for joining me today. Do you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Yeah, I'm Seth Denbo, and I'm the Director of Scholarly Communication and Digital Initiatives at the American Historical Association. Great, great. And, and not all of our subscribers know what the American Historical Association is, and we've talked about it from time to time in the podcast, but could you just briefly tell us what the institution is? Yeah, so we're the, we're the main um, scholarly society for, um, for history and historians in the United States. Our members are primarily historians who teach in um, in higher education, but we also have members across the broad variety of things that historians do, such as working in museums and archives, um, teaching in K-12 um, classrooms, and, uh, and a huge range of other things. And so wouldn't it be unusual for the AHA to be interested in something like peer review, right? Um, it wouldn't at all be unusual. We publish our own um, journal, which is one of the premier journals in the field of history. So we've, you know, we've been doing peer review as an organization for um, probably close to 100 years now. Um, but we're also very interested in that, in that question and how it's changing as, as scholarship changes in in the 21st century. And can you talk a little bit about yourself? How did you get interested in, in digital history or digital humanities? And how did it come about that you spearheaded this effort to look at peer review in, in digital history? Yeah, so my, um, I mean, my background is just uh, straight, uh, straight history. I was trained as an 18th century, a historian of 18th century Britain. And, but, you know, I just, just kind of, like a lot of people who do digital humanities scholarship, I just kind of got involved in a little randomly. There was a job for, I, I applied for a job as a, um, as a research fellow on a, on a funded project in the UK to do with um, cataloging uh, objects, uh, a particular item of clothing that women wore um, from the late 16th through the early 20th century called a pocket. Um, it was a separate garment. And we, we basically went all around the UK um, visiting museums and, and other places where these things exist and, and created a digital archive of them as part of the research process um, and also for, um, for some exhibits, um, both online and, and physical exhibits that we created. And so, you know, it was just we were creating, we were doing digital history really without realizing we were doing it. You know, we created a, a digital archive of images, um, databases, did a website and kind of didn't really know what we were doing. And from there, I kind of got interested in, in how to do it right. So I worked in a variety of different roles uh, related to building digital infrastructure for 
for um, digital humanities. And then this job at the AHA came up and it was a perfect fit for sort of my experience as a historian and doing digital humanities. And then it, we just felt um, this was something that was ongoing before I got here, but but which I pushed forward in that, that even though for probably close to 20 years, historians have been using digital media and digital tools and methods for a variety of different kinds of outputs. You know, it's still the case that in history you get tenure by producing books, uh, writing journal articles, and having them published. And and that's that's really not good enough anymore. We need to be able to give people professional credit and and ha- and help departments and institutions evaluate digital work that historians are doing so that people who are doing this can build their careers around it and so that it is taken seriously as a part of the broad range of things that historians do you know in order to contribute to the scholarly conversation in our discipline so do i mean can you can you tell us a little bit about how this might might have been personal for you i mean was there a point where you were had a digital project and you were trying to communicate its its contribution and people were not understanding it or how how did you become aware of this as a problem um it wasn't so much my own personal projects, but I, you know, in in the work I did before I came here, I worked on a uh, before I came to the AHA, I, w- I worked on a project called Project Bamboo. Um, before that, I was I was part of a large project in Europe called Project Daria, which was about and both of these were large scale digital infrastructures for research in the humanities, and and we were you know one of the the sort of keys to both of these projects was that they existed and they were created to sort of build capacity for digital scholarship in in the humanities. But, you know, it it quickly becomes apparent when you do digital work in the humanities that there's still a barrier to acceptance for this stuff. And there are still problems with making sure that as a scholar, the work you are doing, which, you know, if it contributes to the to the development of the discipline and to the way you, you know, people in your field think, then then that's a valid thing for peer review and a valid thing for an institution to evaluate when it comes to thinking about your tenure and um, promotion and hiring as well. So, you know, pushing this forward as a as a as a project at the AHA where we actually have an opportunity to actually affect some change in this area. You know, we by by giving departments some of the tools they need to do this is is very important. Right, yeah. And just to just kind of alert you, we've already produced two episodes on peer review, but we've produced two episodes on sort of the traditional um, right. modes of peer review, you know, someone submitting something to a journal or a, um, a book publisher. And so can you just talk us through the steps about how the um, evaluation of a digital piece of scholarship might work that might, you know, for someone who has the context of the traditional uh, version of peer review? So. I mean, I should say before I do that, I should say that like this project at its core isn't really about peer review, which which in a way is a problem with what we've done. When I when I arrived at the AHA and we were starting to work on this, I I mean I said to some of the people I was working with here that in a way this is we're going about this backwards. That the 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 association is trying to say to departments, you need to be in a position to evaluate this stuff and you need to be in a position to give scholars credit for digital work, but the whole process of evaluation and, and, and hiring and promotion and tenure in our discipline and more broadly in the academy relies on a system of peer review that's been in place for decades, if not, if not longer. So, and there, the peer review isn't really there yet for digital projects. It's, it's coming and there are, there are a variety of ways in which it's happening, but it isn't central to the whole 
structure of digital scholarship and the way it is central to the way in which books and, and journal articles get published, if you see what I mean. But uh, nonetheless, I think we felt it was important. There were enough, there was enough demand from department chairs, from from people in the discipline, that we do some things to promote the work that historians were already doing and also open up possibilities for scholars to do this work and to break down some of those barriers to acceptance for this work. So we felt it was necessary, but you know, one of the conversations we've been having as we've been trying to promote the guidelines is around ways in which we could promote the, the peer review side of this so that there are actually the, you know, there is actually the building blocks to make it possible for departments to, to, to review things. So that's a kind of sideways sort of way into your question, but I think there are some, some valid and growing ways in which we can kind of promote the peer review side of this. So one of, one of the things we've been talking about is using our journal, the American Historical Review, to start to do this. So one of the things we can do is we can, instead of just reviewing traditional outputs like books um, in the journal, we, which, I mean, reviews, book reviews are a very big part of what the journal does, we can review um, digital projects, which, for example, the Journal of American History has been doing doing for many years now. So we're looking at doing that. Um, so that's a kind of post-publication peer review, which, which I think is valid. And, and, you know, book reviews would go into somebody's tenure file. So then, you know, reviews of digital projects could go into somebody's tenure file. Um, there are other possibilities that we've been looking at where we can say, you know, where the AHR could, the American Historical Review could, could sort of send a digital project that exists on the web um, out for peer review, and if it comes back and, and gets approval from those reviewers, it could be included in some way or, or could, could have some sort of stamp of approval from the AHR. And even though it wouldn't appear in the print magazine, in, in the print journal, it would be something that the, the journal, the AHR had peer reviewed and it would then be getting its, um, would be getting a stamp of approval, would be saying this is, this is the equivalent to a peer-reviewed article in the American Historical Review. So I think that would go a long way towards doing this. There are other other things we've been exploring, but they're all kind of pretty nascent, so I think maybe I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there as one, as one possibility. I mean, I'd be very interested in seeing ways, looking into ways in which the AHA could promote more open kinds of peer review. And that isn't to say that, that we would have to do away with traditional kinds of peer review that digital projects couldn't be peer reviewed, you know, in the ways that people are familiar with through through blind peer review. But also that, you know, maybe digital projects are a good way to approach thinking about what what kinds of change we could affect to peer review to make it a more robust system or to, to improve the system in some way. And so uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I just kind of want to summarize what you're telling me. And that's, you know, to say that I guess what you are doing and the AHA is doing is really kind of starting a conversation, right? I think so. I mean, one of the things I think about the guidelines, I've said in numerous venues about the guidelines that we published, is that it really is just a first step um, and that we've created as one of the, the ways in which we're, um, we're promoting the guidelines and, and helping departments to use them is we've created what we're calling a digital history working group, which is a bunch of um, scholars in history who have experience of doing digital history. And one of the things they will be doing is helping to foster that conversation and helping departments to apply these guidelines. So helping departments to say, okay, well, we have, you know, somebody has come to us with a, with a GIS project, but we don't have anybody in the department who can evaluate 
the technical side of this. So we'll go to this digital history working group and say, you know, can you recommend some outside reviewers who will be able to look over this for us and, and tell us what, you know, whether the, the technical side of it is valid, whether the GIS part of it is well done. Now, now I don't want to put you in the position to look into your crystal ball, <laughs> but if I were to ask you, where do, where do you think the next step is, and what would be your answer to that? I think I really think the the peer review side of this, trying to help to to create a system whereby digital scholarship can be peer reviewed in some way that would be seen as as valid and as and as robust as this the system of peer review that that has grown up over many years for books and journal articles. You know, peer review is at the heart of what we do as scholars in terms of making sure that the claims we're making are contributing to that conversation in the discipline. This is this is really at the core of what the guidelines say is that is that if a piece of scholarship, no matter how it's produced and no matter how it's communicated, contributes to that scholarly conversation within the discipline. It contributes to the field, to the way in which people are thinking about a particular topic or a particular question in our in our discipline, then it should be a valid thing for a scholar to submit as part of a tenure review file. And to do that, we really need to improve the peer review of digital scholarship. Well, Seth, I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. I enjoyed that a lot. Well, great. That was very informative. And listeners who are interested in the Guidelines for the Professional Evaluation of Digital Scholarship in History will find a link to that draft from the AHA and a number of other great resources on digital scholarship in history at the Art of the Review show notes page on the H Podcast Network.